Let's play Jeopardy. The category is Roman mythology for 100. She wears a blindfold and holds a set of scales in one hand. If you answer, who is Lady Justice, you are correct. For centuries, the goddess of justice has been the symbol of due process in democratic societies worldwide. Lady Justice wears a blindfold so that facts and evidence tip the scales of justice instead of political bias and personal preference. Many Old Testament prophets, including Micah, spoke against the social and economic injustices in their day. However, are today's cries for social justice the same? What we need today is biblical justice, not a skewed version of justice that puts real due process in jeopardy. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? That's Micah 6.8, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for stopping by. Well, what does it mean to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God? What do these three qualities look like in day-to-day life? Find out next as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay with us now or visit somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the program on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron with part two of his message, Micah, What the Lord Requires. There are times that we can all look around and just get frustrated with the national leadership that we might have or the local or the state leadership that we might have have God's ultimate answer to that is the Messiah he established his kingdom in our hearts 2,000 years ago but he is coming back to establish his physical rule on this earth for a thousand years the Bible says and all into eternity Uh, the government will be upon his shoulders and, and all of that that the Bible uh, speaks about. Well, that uh, finishes up kind of chapters uh, three through five. And that brings us to the third major section of the book of Micah, chapters six and seven. Uh, like Isaiah chapter one, the last major section of Micah opens with a lawsuit against Israel. Israel has broken covenant with God. Uh, a recurring theme throughout the Um, the Old Testament prophets, major and minor prophets. And this brings us full circle to uh, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 and what the Lord requires of us. But let's back it up to chapter 6 and verse 6 and get a running start to this uh, central verse of Scripture. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? The prophet is asking, how do you approach the Lord? Lord, what do you want from us? Verse 8, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice 
to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. You see, the verses leading up to it, Micah is describing um, meaningless religious ritual. That's not what the Lord wants. He doesn't want you to show him um, your Sunday school attendance record. He doesn't want you to show him, oh, I was, I was baptized three times, once at this church, once at this church, and you know, over here. Once they sprinkled a little bit, and then they, then they dunked me under, you know. I'm not saying there's anything meaningless about baptism, but it, but it can become meaningless as it did to ancient Israel. The burnt offerings. Oh, Lord, I brought you a calf just a year old. Isn't, oh, well, that was the one, you know, he was blind in one eye and his nickname was Lucky. But besides that, Lord, I, I brought you, I, you know, meaningless religious ritual that had no connection to how they lived their lives. He says, I don't want your meaningless ritual. I want you to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly before me. Isn't that simple enough? Let's start with kindness. I love the word kindness here. It's that beautiful Hebrew word, hesed. I can't say it with a, yeah. Hesed, which speaks of loyal, faithful love. It's one of those Hebrew words that's so rich, so meaningful, so deep, it's hard to capture all of it in our English translation. It's all over the Old Testament to describe God's loyal, faithful love, his kindness. We need more kindness. Kindness is rare today, isn't it? It's underrated. But Taylor Swift wrote a song and asked, why you got to be so mean, you know? I mean, somebody wants some kindness out there. Yeah, why you got to be so mean, especially when the Lord's been so kind to you? His kindness. Love kindness. Is there somebody you need to extend some kindness to? Do that in proportion to the Lord's kindness toward you, and you'll never run out of kindness toward others. Uh, we also need more humility in our world today. He says, uh, walk humbly with your God. God rejects the proud of heart, doesn't he? He destroys the strongholds that they build to protect themselves as the wealthy and politically elite, the proud. I was struck by the humility of uh, one of my favorite new theologians. His name is Shaquille O'Neal. Just, ki just kidding. But Shaq, as he's known, you know, the guy who has four NBA championship rings, got more money than he knows what to do with. And, and Shaq came out this past week or so rejecting the, the proud celebrity wokeness in our world today. He said, quote, unquote, these celebrities are going freaking crazy. And I don't want to be one. He says, just because I made it doesn't mean I'm bigger than you, smarter than you. Just because I have more money doesn't mean I'm better than you. Way to go, Shaq. We, we need more of that. We need people who, who are 
exceptionally gifted, have, have achieved exceptional things, have an exceptional amount of money to walk humbly. And I would just encourage my new friend, Shaq, just walk humbly before God. There is not a proud, elite, political, or economic elite person who wouldn't melt like wax in front of Almighty God. So just walk humbly before God. Just walk humbly. Finally, God requires justice. Do justice. Don't just think about it. Don't just attend a symposium about justice. It says do justice. Why? Because injustice is a sin. I want to return to our earlier discussion um, about the present cry for social justice in our world today. And I want us to tread carefully around the term because today, social justice doesn't mean what we think it means. And because of that, this is no time for freedom-loving people to wear blindfolds. It's time to take the blindfolds off and strap on your seatbelts. Social justice, as it is meant today, and I've been doing a fair amount of reading. I've got you know, references to academic papers and otherwise to back all of this up. This is not just Ron's wild hair idea. Social justice as it is meant today, not in Micah's time, but in our time, refers to the state redistribution of wealth, resources, and opportunities for the purpose of achieving equal outcomes for disparate groups. Let me say it again. It's the state redistribution of wealth. That means the state must seize your wealth. To redistribute wealth, resources, even opportunities for the purpose of achieving equity, I'll define that in a moment, for disparate groups. Social justice also replaces individual freedoms with group mandates. Today's social justice warriors want to achieve equity, not equality. No, they've backed away from that term. We grew up in a place where we said, you know, the American dream is about equal opportunity. No, they talk about equity, equal outcomes. Now, the aim of socialism and communism is not equality, it's equity. It's not equal opportunity, it's equal outcome. That's the aim of socialism and communism. Whereas free market capitalism, and you can like it or not, but it is the American way, offers an equal opportunity for all who desire to work hard and chase after their version of the American dream. Different outcomes result from free market capitalism because, let's face it, different people have different skills, they have different abilities, they have uh, different aspirations. Um, I can want all day long to play in the NBA. I have the equal opportunity. There ain't going to be the equal outcome. Well, 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 why not? If that's what the social justice warriors want, equal outcome, I should be able to play in the NBA, even though my vertical leap is about two inches off the ground. 
No, it's an equal opportunity. I can practice, I can work hard, I can try out. But there are different skills, different build, different aspirations that people have. That's, that's the world uh, in which we live. Still ahead, the rest of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Micah, what the Lord requires, right here on Something Good Radio. Somethinggoodradio.org is the place to go to hear any of Ron's messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. And when you stop by, check out the new Something Good digital library. That's where you can search to find answers to your biblical questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. You can stream for free and on demand at somethinggoodradio.org. For your gift to Something Good Radio today, Ron wants to bless you with a new digital resource that goes along with the series you're hearing now, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron has written an ebook based on the 12 minor prophets of the Old Testament, Hosea through Malachi, and it's our gift to you for your generous gift to Something Good today. Donate online at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245. Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now, let's get back to Ron as he shares the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Micah, What the Lord Requires. Uh, Different economic or education outcomes are not necessarily the result of injustice unless the fight for equality fails, and we need to fight for equal opportunity, regardless of what you look like or where you came from, or your economic status. However, none of what social justice warriors are uh, fighting for today has anything to do with biblical justice. And where we are in the 21st century, 2,700 years after Micah of Morasheth, came upon the scene as a biblical justice warrior, we we need to understand the difference between what is meant by social justice in our day and what is meant by biblical justice. We must contrast the two. According to uh, Dr. Vodi Bauckham, and I I recommend him to you as a a prophetic voice in our time, he is a pastor, he is a theologian, he's an African-American man who actually moved his family from uh, the suburbs of Houston, Texas, to Africa, where he is uh, pastoring and leading a theological institution there and speaking out on this matter. Dr. Vodi Bauckham defines biblical justice, listen to this, as the application of God's righteous standard equally to all people, places, and circumstances. Biblical justice is the equal application of God's righteous standard to all people, places, and circumstances. Um, which assumes that the unequal application of God's righteous standard leads to impression and injustice, which is why Christians, all Christians, like Micah, should be the best and most engaged justice warriors. However, God's people must do so with discernment. Steering clear of those who use the cry for social justice as a Trojan horse to introduce Marxism. Take the blindfold off and see what's happening today. Marxism has a long, torrid history of destroying human lives 
and stealing individual freedoms. Socialism is the kinder, gentler path to totalitarianism. But even in the name of socialism, look it up, young people. You weren't taught this in your history classes. Just, just Google socialism and lives destroyed. <laughs> Tens, if not hundreds of millions of lives destroyed. Now, before you start typing that email or text message to me saying, Pastor, I don't like it when you get political. I ain't getting political. This has nothing to do with politics. When you talk about a, a, a system, a godless, evil system of governing lives that destroys human life, not theoretically, but has actually destroyed human lives and stolen individual freedoms, that is a moral and spiritual issue and must be addressed from today's pulpits. I've been looking for an opportunity. Micah of Morishef gave me that opportunity. And in the same way Diedrich Bonhoeffer, a German Lutheran pastor in World War II, stood up and called out Adolf Hitler, called him out for who he was, saw what he was doing, virtually stood alone. Why? I mean, where were his clergy colleagues? They went silent. Why, you ask? I mean, why, how, how could they do such a thing? They got their paychecks from the German government. That's why you know anything about Bonhoeffer and what he was facing. But he called out Adolf Hitler. He was right. He was also executed by the Nazis two days before the end of World War II. But we need more Bonhoeffer. This is a Bonhoeffer moment, friends, for pastors, for spiritual leaders, for anybody who has a, a voice, big or small, you don't need a platform like Isaiah. You might be a Micah or Michelle from Morishef. Use whatever platform you have. Take the blindfold off. Understand the times in which we are living. The poor and the weak who are impressed, uh, they, they need voices. But the answer is not socialism and communism. That brings more oppression, not theoretically but in fact and in history brings more oppression to the poor and the weak and to every one of us. I've got to land the plane here. I'm looking at the time. Let's play double jeopardy. Are you ready for this? This time the category is profits for 1,000. There's a lot at stake here. Are you ready? He was a justice warrior from a small town who told us what the Lord requires. If your answer is Micah of Morishef, ah, eh. but if your answer is who is Jesus of Bethlehem, ah, now, you, now you're listening to the prophetic voice of the Old Testament minor prophets and major ones too. Because every one of them pointed us to the ruler who was the Lord Jesus Christ, who came the first time, born in a small, little bitty, rural town called Bethlehem. He died on a cross for our sins. He was buried. He rose again on the third day. He ascended to the Father. And before he left this earth, he said, 
I'm coming back. And we wait in faith for his return, don't we? And when he comes, he comes not as the suffering servant, but as a, as a ruling shepherd. Defeats his enemies at the Battle of Armageddon and uh, establishes his millennial kingdom on this earth for a thousand years and then on into his uh, eternal kingdom forever and ever. Amen. I say, even so come, Lord Jesus. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, Micah, What the Lord Requires. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me now. Ron, when we think about some of the key verses in the book of Micah, one of the first that comes to mind is chapter 6, verse 8. Can you share some additional thoughts on that passage as we wrap up today's broadcast? Sure thing, Brian. Just as a refresher, Micah 6 and verse 8 reads as follows. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Fascinating language there, starting with the phrase, do justice. That points to an outward behavior, uh, to act in a just manner towards all people. That means if you're a king or a president or a prime minister, govern justly over all your citizens. If you're a boss, lead justly over all your employees. But when it comes to kindness, and some translations use the word mercy instead of kindness, it says to love kindness, to love mercy. Uh, not just do it, but, but to love it, Brian. Now, God could have told us to love justice, but he didn't. We're not necessarily called to love it or even to like it. I mean, sometimes justice can be a hard thing uh, to implement, even, even a sad thing to do. To render consequences to those who break the law, for example, or to those who break the rules, uh, that can be a painful thing to administer, a hard thing, especially when those consequences are extreme. But mercy and kindness, well, we're told to love those things. That's very telling. So again, we're called to love kindness and mercy, and we're called to do justly. Both of them include behavioral instruction, but only one of them talks about the attitude that should be underneath it all. And then number three, walk humbly with your God. Again, that points to an inner attitude, humility, which of course will manifest itself in our behavior. Now, here's a foundational principle we should all consider, Brian. When we walk humbly with our God, we'll be better able to do justly and to love kindness and mercy. Show me a person who is consistently doing justly and loving kindness and mercy, and I will show you someone who is walking in humility under the mighty hand of God. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some final thoughts on Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. And the Lord's command to do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Before we go, Ron, how about telling us what's in store for us tomorrow as you continue your teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. You know, Brian, the wrath of God is not a subject that most pastors talk about. They preach God's love and mercy, and understandably, but very often avoid the subject of wrath. Uh, let's start that over again. You know, Brian, the wrath of God is not a subject that most pastors talk about. They preach God's love and mercy, but very often avoid the subject of God's wrath. I mean, a sermon titled, uh, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, will empty a church today in record time. 
But the Bible is filled with passages about the wrath of God, so I would be doing our listeners a disservice not to talk about it myself. So next time on the ultimate road trip through the Bible, I'll be preaching from the book of Nahum which talks at length about the wrath of God. Nahum reminds us that God is slow to anger, that he is patient, he's long-suffering, but he is also very clear that God's wrath is a real thing. So what exactly is the wrath of God? Uh, Here's a great definition, a preview of tomorrow's message. The wrath of God speaks of the just and righteous consequences laid upon unbelievers who ultimately reject God's love, grace, and mercy. That's what God's wrath is. And I'll dive a little deeper into that subject next time as I continue my teaching series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. That's tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Nahum, Slow to Anger. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.